Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, the first NFL coach of the season has been fired. Could Jim Harbaugh of Michigan face the same fate? We're going to get into all that and so much more. Outkick the morning starts right now. Hello, everybody. Welcome on into Outkick the Morning. It is Wednesday, hump day. Happy hump day, everybody. Uh, Charlie Arnold here. It was a busy night last night, as we all know, uh, with our first NFL coach being fired of the season. That was Raiders head coach Josh McDaniels, along with the GM, Dave Ziegler. And we got our first glimpse of the possible college football playoff matchup. So we are going to get into a story that out. Outkick actually was responsible for. Obviously, all of the event bright fallout. As you know, earlier this week, we talked about how Riley Gaines wanted to post some of her uh, rallies that she was holding across the country on Eventbrite. The site would not platform her, yet they were totally cool with promoting pro-Hamas and anti-Israel rallies also at college campuses around the country. So I had the pleasure of speaking to Senator Eric Schmidt of Missouri, who is holding Eventbrite responsible, and now he is looking for some answers. So let's hear what he had to say. Okay, and only one voice really needed now to get into all of the details of the situation transpiring with Eventbrite. That, of course, is Senator Eric Schmidt. Uh, thank you so much for joining me, Senator. Uh, with you. Let's get right into it. You have put Eventbrite on notice. Obviously, they have displayed the most extreme form of hypocrisy that we ever could have witnessed. So talk me through the last few days and what's exactly happening there. Yeah, I mean, you've got Riley Gaines essentially being canceled by uh, Eventbrite um, for an appearance where she's, you know, talking about how important it is for women to actually be able to compete in women's sports against women, right? This seems like a, a pretty uh, normal thing Basic. to be able to talk about. Um but they've, you know, they put her on notice that 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 event is going to be essentially canceled. All the while, we know already that they're and they're saying it's offensive uh, commentary, it's it's offensive language. Meanwhile, they're still hosting these things for people who are supporting Hamas, right? People who are um, supporting um, the, you know, the uh, the the raping of women in in uh, in the Middle East. You've got uh, the beheading of children. All these terrible things. That's okay, I guess, for Eventbrite. But Riley Gaines talking about women competing in women's sports. That's just too much. So we sent a letter saying, "Hey, what else? What is your criteria for this, by the way? And what else are you canceling?" And I think to your original point, it shows. First of all, it's it's ridiculous that that, that Riley Gaines is being subjected to this. Number one. Number two, it is the height of hypocrisy. To claim that somehow this is this is you know beyond the pale, but yet you're going to allow these other things to continue to go on. So I think the public deserves to know more about what Eventbrite's doing, and we're trying to shine a light on that. And how exactly does this work? Once you reach out to a corporation like this and demand some answers, how often is it you get those answers in a timely manner, or are they even required to get back to you? Well, it's not a subpoena, so I guess they could blow it off, but that typically isn't what happens. I'm on the Senate Commerce Committee. We've got pretty broad jurisdiction over things like this. And I just think it's important if you're going to be a business that sort of holds yourself out there 
as hosting, you know, events and letting people know what's going on. And then you're going to cancel somebody because it violates your terms of service. I think the public deserves to know what is that criteria and what else are you doing and what are you hiding? And so I think that's an important role that we play here in oversight. And so hopefully we'll get some answers. And uh, again, the hypocrisy has already been revealed, but there's probably a lot more there. And I think that people are sick and tired, I think, of these woke corporations um, you know, deciding these things. People want to know the information. They can make up their own minds. But uh, it's probably another example of a, of a world corporation kind of virtue signaling along the way. Oh, yes. Uh, we are used to seeing that, unfortunately, Senator. And I think Eventbrite has definitely revealed themselves to be ultra-liberal. Uh, that's the politics they're pushing, uh, as you just mentioned, shutting down Riley Gaines, yet being okay with pro-Hamas rallies being supported and publicized. How do you, once you even get an answer, encourage these companies to reverse course or change the way they go about things? Because I think a lot of companies will address the situation, but you don't necessarily see any change on their part moving forward. It's a good question. So I actually think the tide, Charlie, is is turning here. I think that the, um, the American people are tired of this stuff. Um, for example, uh, we kind of, in my prior role as attorney general, and then here, we've kind of shown the light on this ridiculous ESG stuff, right? That, um, I think you're starting to see people back away from that because there's been a lot of pushback. We've been really, even in the, in the military context, you know, it's ridiculous for DEI trainings, whether you have them in school or in the military. I think the more that that's exposed to the public, people are starting to pull back a little bit from that because it's really offensive to most people. It's all meant to divide. And so I think this is another piece to that, which is getting the information out in the open, because what companies like Eventbrite and others like to do, they like to sort of infuse their politics and hope the broader population that doesn't agree with them ever notices or is aware of it. So I think that we've got to win the argument in this marketplace of ideas. We've got to get our side out, let people know what's going on, how ridiculous it is, how hypocritical it is. And then I think companies start to notice and they change course. So obviously this whole debacle was brought to the forefront by the folks here at Outkick, which is fantastic. Uh, but there's a lot of other corporations that have exposed themselves, like you mentioned, to be woke uh, using other methods and, you know, different things that they go about doing. What is it that your constituents are saying? Do, do they often come to you and say, I've dealt with this company and I've noticed this or that? Or how do you go about targeting the companies that do push the most liberal of agendas and then going forward and taking action against them? So two things. First of all, I think it's really important. Outkick's great, a huge, you know, big fan. I've been on um, the show, the radio, everything. You guys are great. And I think those um, new media sources are really important. We could never count on sort of legacy media to ever point this out. They're not interested. Their their interests are aligned in many ways with these woke corporations. So the work you guys are doing is really important. Second of all, you know, when I was Attorney General of Missouri, we brought the Missouri versus Biden lawsuit. That's going to make its way to the Supreme Court. Yes. And the reason why I mentioned that is that has exposed this sort of enterprise that's out there, the working of government with some of the big tech giants. And a lot of people were silenced along the way. And I hear from a lot of people who had opinions. They dissented, whether it was on masks or vaccine mandates, whatever it was. So there's a lot of stories that are out there that we need to give voice to of people who feel like, you know, they've been kind of shut out. And it's really important for people to have all this information out there and let people make their own decisions. That's my point of view. I, you know, I, I have my deeply held beliefs. I think we got to try to persuade people, uh, get the information out there and let them make their own decisions. But what you see from companies like Eventbrite, they want to kind of partition off 
conservatives, cut them off, never let them be heard. Always. And uh, people are tired of it. I think people are tired of it. So, um, so whatever role we can play in exposing it and kind of changing the course is important. Uh, getting back to Eventbrite real quick, because I just thought of something. If you don't hear from them, you know, you you give them a little bit of time. How much patience then do you have? And at what point do you say, okay, well, if we're not going to get answers from you just by, you know, this method of going about it, you know, maybe the more cordial way of going about it. At what point do you say, we're going to hit you with a subpoena? Yeah, well, we got to have the, uh, I think, unfortunately, we don't have the majority in the Senate. Okay. Um, so we don't have the chairmanship of the Commerce Committee to be able to go do that. But I do think as we continue to build support among colleagues here, they pay, they definitely pay attention to that. I mean, there are a lot of issues that interact. So I think making sure that they're aware that we're serious about it, we're not going away. I think working with some of our colleagues in the House where they do have subpoena power and the gavel and some of these committees would be important. Again, this is really about allowing people to know what's really going on, right? I mean, ultimately, it's a company, right? They can they can make these sorts of decisions. Yeah, private company, right? Right. But at the same time, um, the people have a choice, right? They can decide to do business with Eventbrite or not. They can drop it if they're, if, if you know, campaigns are being, you know, yeah. Republican campaigns are, are using Eventbrite. Maybe there's a change of course here. So I think there's a lot more to this. We need to figure out what it is and keep the pressure on. Yeah, definitely. Consumers need to realize the the power that they possess and use it for the good and to help to make change like you're insinuating. Uh, okay, my last question for you. Uh, we're going to get off the subject of business. This is all football uh, okay. because I know you're a football fan and Missouri ranked 14, looking good this year. Again. They are facing number one Georgia this weekend. Senator, can they get the job done? Can Missouri be victorious in this one? You heard it here first. Your Missouri Tigers are going down to Athens. They're going to pull off the upset. People don't really remember this. Last year, Missouri had Georgia on the ropes, should have won that game. Now, that was in Columbia. Um, they play Georgia pretty well. I mean, that's a listen, that's a tough task uh, to go on the road and beat the number one team in the country. But Mizzou's really good this year. Brady Cook is really, I mean, he's a great quarterback. He's got a lot of accuracy down the field. I think he can expose uh, the secondary a little bit, you know, um, against Georgia. So I'm very hopeful. It's a big game. It's probably the biggest game Mizzou's had in a little while. And I think they've really arrived in the SEC. It's a lot of fun. Well, hey, like you said, you heard it here first. I hope that we are celebrating all of us because I, I just told you, I lived in Missouri uh, back in the Kansas City girl. So I can definitely get behind Missouri. In fact, they offered me a scholarship when I was out of college. I, I decided to go east to American University, but they offered me a, a scholarship to come study at their journalism school. So I have love for them. Nice. I can get behind that. Oh, that's uh, awesome. All right. Well, then good. We get to talk uh, Missouri yeah. sports then from time to time. It'll be fun. Yeah. Hey, we are, we are always looking for opinions from our most valued politicians. So thank you so much. And um, good luck with everything. Awesome. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Outkick the morning. We'll be right back after a short break. Stay tuned. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
senator of Missouri. He is a good one. We wish more were like him around the country. Uh, it also, I just want to say the beauty of live TV, right? We're doing it live. Famous words were once said. Uh, anyways, we are now ready to bring in the one and only Dan Dockage, host of Don't At Me, also a guy, like I've said, I've known for quite some time. Both of us indie peeps. Dan. How are you, Charlie? Nice to talk to you. It is so good to talk to you. So um, I had introed you the first time around and said that you and I go way back. We have a like great history. I'm not sure how I framed it, but it sounded like a little bit, well, I don't want to say sketchy, but me and you do. We go way back. Hey. Done a comedy show at the same time. We were in Indianapolis doing sports at the same time. What else would you like to add to this budding relationship? Yeah, it didn't sound sketchy at all. It sounded like a lot of fun to me. A comedy <laughs> show was unbelievable. We killed it. The place was up in arms. People throwing things. It was insanity. Yeah, man, lots going on. Congrats on the new show. It's killing. Absolutely. Uh, and also, continued congrats to you. You've always been one of the best in the biz, and I always enjoy watching you uh, kick ass on Don't At Me, which obviously, guys, as you know, happens right after Outkick the Morning. Um, okay, Dan. One of the most fired up people, one of the biggest voices as far as everything going on in college football right now. So let's get into that a little bit. Uh, we, we heard a surprise last night. The selection committee putting Ohio State at number one for now. Georgia at number two. Do you agree with all this? What was your reaction there? You know, my thing is I watch Georgia and I think they're the best football team in the country. I, you know, and I'm not really big. I don't know. I'm not really big on, hey, to beat a man, you got to beat the man, all that kind of stuff. I think every year is organic. When I've watched Ohio State, Ohio State's interesting. They're good enough to win. And Ohio State's put themselves at a level where when they go into Madison and they win by 14, their, 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 uh, their fans are complaining. It's like, man, it's tough to win on the road in the Big Ten, particularly in Madison. Yeah, I got no problem, really, Charlie, with one and uh, two. You know, they both have, I think Ohio State probably has a tougher schedule. It's all going to play out. But if you would have told me Georgia's mm -hmm. number one and Ohio State's number two, I'd have been cool with that, too, I think. Okay. All right. Well, I like to hear you in good spirits about it all. Obviously, right now, Dan, this the situation is still very fluid. Uh, and Georgia still has an opportunity to really show what they're made of. Uh, because, like we said, ranked second for now. Their weak strength of schedule, something that has been taken into consideration. But their next three opponents are ranked. So should they come out victorious in those or put on really strong performances, we could easily see them jumping to that number one spot. Uh, but, Dan, perhaps the biggest question for the committee is something you have been very vocal about is Michigan in the cheating scandal that they're currently being investigated for going to have any effect on their ranking? Well, here's here's how I look at it, Charlie. We, we, we always complain like three years from now when an investigation is concluded and they put the team on like probation retroactive back to when they were cheating. I said this, look, it's not a court of law. And the NCAA, if they have the goods, if they can prove that they cheated, I think you present it to Michigan and, okay, here's our, in, here's our evidence. What did you – what say you? And if the answer isn't satisfactory, in my opinion, you don't let them play this year. The cheating happened this year. They got caught this year. Mm -hmm. So instead of waiting for a three-year investigation and then coming back and saying, well – 
you know, future teams get a bull ban like they do. Hey, and I understand people say, well, isn't it innocent until proven guilty? Sure it is in a court of law, but this isn't a court of law. NCAA has no subpoena power. So I would change it up. I would say, here is our evidence. This is what we say you did. Prove us wrong. And if they can't, at least to my satisfactory, look, here's the deal. It's not a victimless crime. People in other schools, kids at other schools, because they don't get into the Final Four, the college football playoffs, they're cheated out of an opportunity because a team like Michigan, if they did in fact cheat, they're cheated. It's not victimless. Coaches get bonuses. Assistant coaches, low-level assistants get bonuses. So this isn't a victimless crime. So instead of waiting two or three years, Charlie, screw that. Punish them this year. You cheated this year. We got the goods on you now. If you don't have the goods, I don't want to hear about it. That's how I look at it. But here's how do they not have the goods? It seems to me like there's <laughs> enough evidence out there for them to be proven guilty. I don't care. I'm I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a judge. I'm not I don't I don't work in that field. But just from an outsider looking in, uh, it seems to me like there is far more than enough to convict Michigan of cheating. I mean, it just seems like this is a no-brainer for me, Dan. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it does. You know, and people, I'm so glad to hear you say that because I'm so tired of people saying that it it doesn't matter. You still got to play the game. Of course you got to play the game, but it's a hell of a lot easier over the course of four quarters. Of course. If I know when you're going to pass and I know when you're going to run, it's a lot easier. Like, you know, and so I'm glad to hear, so glad to hear you say that because I'm so tired of people saying, well, Everyone's doing it. Okay, tell me who's doing it. Tell me who hired a low-level staffer that's got, like, marine training to go out and decipher stuff and then he shows up at all these other places. Look, on one level, it's genius. Truthfully, it's genius. But I'm with you. I Look, but also you got to understand the other side, Charlie. You do got to understand Michigan's got a lot of money, which means they got good attorneys, which means they can dispute a lot of stuff. I'm waiting I'm waiting for the Marine to crack. I'm waiting for the Marine to start naming names. And when that happens, all hell is going to break loose. Okay, my other question is, this low-level staffer that you're referring to, his name is Connor Stallion. So just for anyone who's not aware of what he was doing, he was buying tickets to other games against the team's conference and possible opponents for them in the playoffs. And he was out there scouting, gathering intel. And I I just have to wonder... Do you think there was anyone on the inside, people that he was getting tickets from, people that he was getting field passes from, credentials, that were aware of what Michigan was doing? Was there any inside help as far as all of this was concerned? Yeah, that's interesting. You know what was really interesting? You know, one of the guys, a former Division III coach, said, yeah, he asked me to do it. Uh, What's interesting is what's going on with Central Michigan. He was apparently, apparently on the sideline for Central Michigan staff looking at Michigan State's bench and helping Central Michigan decipher what Michigan State was doing. Now, maybe this is coincidental, but the head coach of, of Central Michigan worked at Michigan before he took the Central Michigan job in 2008. Two other coaches are on the staff at Central Michigan that work with this guy at Michigan. And so the Central Michigan coach last night after the game said, well, we're aware. We don't know what happened. Blah, 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 blah. I got two words for him. My ass. He knows exactly what happened. (laughs) He knows that he's got a problem and he's sitting there clamming up. 
I love my favorite people are college football coaches. Swear to God, they wear jackets and ties and they talk about we're going to build men and they're cheating their brains out. They're getting 17 year olds to flip commitments from other schools. They're the best. They're so full of crap. It's high comedy for me, really. Well, you know what they say, Dan, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. Yeah. He ain't trying. That's right. <laughs> no. Hey, but I, I got to tell you, I was in college basketball from 19, what was it? Basically the fall of 1981 until the spring of 2008. And I know every coach in college basketball and a number of football coaches. And they've seen me on Twitter going nuts on this. And I've gotten so many texts and calls from guys going, Dan, I've never seen this. It's genius in one part. It is. How the hell do you get caught doing this other than I don't even know how you get caught? It's freaking genius, Charlie. But loose lips sink (laughs) ships, and the dude got caught. Yeah. Well, and just imagine also, as technology advances, you know, he had the glasses on that could do the recording. Imagine as technology gets even better, how many more tactics teams and coaches are going to come up with to gather intel, steal signs, all of the above when it comes to their opponents. I mean, things things could get crazy, Dan. Uh, but let's move on to something else because there was other news that came out that the playoff system is going to go to 12 teams in the 24 season. And I got to get your opinion on this. Are you How excited are you? Charlie, you're young. You got a life. You know, when you go out, it's like <laughs> bottle service, velvet robes, paparazzi. I you wish. see this face? I wish. This is, a, this is a face that stays home. Nobody wants to see this face out. So you can give me 50 teams in the college football playoffs, and I like it because my fat rear end likes to sit on the couch, drink A&W Zero Sugar, and bet. I like to bet sports. I could do it all night. Now, back in the day, I wouldn't care because I was going clubbing, baby. But no, not now. My fat ass loves more. Give me appointment TV. Give me more. Give me more. Give me more. Uh, you sound like Britney Spears, by the way. Uh, I have a question. Uh, you, the thing that stuck out to me the most there is the A&W No Sweetener Root Beer. How many of these are you drinking in one sitting? It's Charlie, I set a record one time. When I got divorced and I was dating my current wife and she dumped me, I, I ate 17 Dreamsicles in one sitting in the afternoon. There was a 24-pack. I ate 17 of these things, wondering why I was more upset about this girl dumping me than I was about my wife dumping me. Anyway, we got back together. Now we're married. My record is 12. I have sat down on a football Saturday. I love A&W root beer. I keep three frosted mugs. I rotate them, and uh, it's 12. And then I pee until 3 in the morning, Charlie. It's just what I do. So I feel bad for your current wife because that probably leads to a lot of disruptions to her sleep over the course of the night. But, uh, Dan, 17 dreamsicles in one day, certainly rock bottom. Uh, but I have to say, I'm, I'm impressed by your A&W drinking. You're kind of like Elon Musk is to Diet Coke. You are to A&W root beer. So uh, we'll give you that title. Uh, okay, let's move on Thank to the you. NFL because it was, it was very odd timing. Uh, Josh McDaniel, head coach for the Raiders, was fired. Also, Dave Ziegler, the GM of the team, fired. But... It was the timing of their firings that caught me a little bit off guard. And also when the team decided to make the announcement, uh, they made the announcement pretty much in the middle of the night when a lot of people weren't expecting it. (laughs) At the same time, also announcing that linebackers coach Antonio Pierce was expected to be named the team's interim coach. And I'll just tell you really quickly. I woke up middle of the night, 1.30, couldn't sleep. 
I read Antonio Pierce, my half-asleep brain saw Antonio Brown, and I was like, wait a second, Antonio Brown, what's going on here? <laughs> Anyways, Dan, what do you think about these firings, and what do you think about the timing of them? Well, you know what? I always tell people these things don't happen in a vacuum and they're human beings. So I don't know what, you know, triggered it other than the fact that the team hasn't been good. McDaniels has a punchable face and the, you know, the owner, he just got tired of it. Right. So here's the deal. Sometimes you have conversations and in sports, as you know, just like this job, you know, if you're working at night, you're doing the new, you stay up late. And sometimes those conversations happen late in the building. And I would imagine, based on all the stuff surrounding the Las Vegas Raiders, that Mark Davis, the owner, had probably had enough. You know, he, he figured this team isn't going where it's going to go under this regime. This is not where we want to be. And screw it. You know what? Uh, I'm just going to get this done right now and get ahead of everybody else in terms of hiring a new coach. You know, so many times... Uh, and I always said this, you know, one of the things that I learned working for Bob Knight is things are personal. You know, conversations don't happen. Uh, decisions don't happen in a vacuum. So, you know, it could have been as, mu as much, Charlie, as they're just talking. And next thing you know, Mark Davis blew up and said, screw it, you're fired. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I just, I, you know, I watched that team the other night. Garoppolo had regressed. McDaniels looked like he was a guy by himself, like he was here and the team was here. And it didn't right. surprise me they got fired. But to your point, all of a sudden in the middle of the night, that's kind of weird. But, hey, uh, again, these things, just like every other business, you know, people think that pro sports or college sports uh, are so impersonal when really they're the most personal because the owner – I'm guessing, at least in Indianapolis for sure, is right there in the building with the staff and with the players, and they see each other, they have relationships, and sometimes the relationships yeah. go crappy, and instead of eating 17 dreamsicles, you end up firing the guy. It's the way it goes. <laughs> I, also, I have to wonder, because the firings just happened as the day, dead, a trade deadline was passed, uh, do you think this could have had any effect on the movement of players that we could have seen going to the Raiders, leaving the Raiders? Should we have known about the firings beforehand, I'm saying? Well, you know what might have happened? I, I, I thought about that. And one of the things that might have happened is maybe Mark Davis understood that people didn't want to come and play for him. Maybe they tried to move people and guys are like, yeah, we really don't want to go play yeah, for the Raiders. We don't like McDaniels, you know? So, I, you know, again, those things, I, here's what I've always said. There's always a backstory. I don't care what it is. It's, it's, there's always a backstory. What that backstory is usually takes a little bit for it to come out, but it would not surprise me watching that outfit the other day where, man, I, hey, look, nobody wants to come play. And the owner got maybe that maybe he got that vibe at the trade deadline and said, screw this. Uh, we got to get people here that embrace Vegas. You know, you know, the idea for young, you know, athletes. Right. And co is, hey, look, I want to go to Vegas. Right. We should want to go. The weather's great. The team, Vegas, the whole deal. And if you own it, no, that's no why you bought taxes. it. And that's why you moved it. What's that? No state income taxes in Vegas as well. Nevada. Yeah, I, look, if I were the co if I were the owner, Charlie, I think I'd have fired his ass the day I hired him. He just seems like a punchable-faced guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, and do you think that he's going to get another opportunity? I mean, after failing in no. Vegas, failing in Denver, no. 
No, that's it. No. Uh, he's going to end up uh, trying. He'll end up, as every fired coach does, uh, he'll end up at Alabama with Nick Saban. He'll try to whitewash it, maybe get a college job. But no, there's no way an NFL team could hire Josh McDaniel. You know, there, there's just not. And one of the things that's interesting about this is without Tom Brady, Bill Belichick can't win nothing. Uh, Josh McDaniels gets fired from two NFL jobs. Tom Brady had influence. Tom Brady is the man. Uh, well, Josh McDaniels, we know for one thing, you know, the NFL probably now no longer in his future, uh, maybe college football. We definitely know the NBA is not in his future. That just wouldn't make any sense. Uh, and that was my pivot, Dan, to the NBA because we just saw a partnership I don't think any of us saw coming. Uh, we saw Kim Kardashian partnering with the NBA to become her company, Skims, to become the official underwear of the NBA, also the WNBA. And you, one of the main reasons I wanted to bring you on, other than talking college football, was you had a really hot take on maybe why this partnership came <laughs> to fruition. So, Dan, when you think of Kim Kardashian partnering with the NBA, what's on your mind? Sex. Sex. The whole family. <laughs> I mean, they've ran through the NBA. Yeah, they have. I mean, let's be honest. When I think of the Kardashians and NBA, I think that these people put Lamar Odom. Lamar Odom was an NBA player really good who was one of the toughest dudes ever from the Bronx or from the toughest areas of New York. They destroyed this man to the point where he overdosed on organic Viagra in a whorehouse in Nevada. That's how they ruined this guy. He's, I mean, I'm saying, that's what I think of. You know, the jokes write themselves with the Kardashians being the official underwear of the N NBA. And of course, they're all sexist, so you can only say them here on OutKick. But it's true. If you, you ask anybody what you think of Kardashian slash NBA, you think, well, the ladies are having the sex with the guys. It's just what you think. So this operation is absolutely perfect. It's brilliant marketing. Whatever Kim Kardashian or Kylie or Kendall or Chloe or uh, Courtney, I know them all. Hey, uh, whatever they touch seems to turn to gold. So NBA will make money. WNBA will make money. And uh, hopefully for some young NBA players, the Kardashians will be around the locker rooms. And hey, you never know what's going to happen. Uh, yeah, but I do have one thing to say, Dan. Your your theory is great, and I, of course, appreciate it, but I will say, Skims already has its ties into the athletic world. I believe it was in the last Winter Olympics that Skims became the official partner for the loungewear collective of the Olympics, so all the you know athletes around the Olympic Village were wearing Skims clothing. Uh, so there already was the groundwork being laid in athletics for Skims. Additionally, I got to tell you, I am a Skims purchaser. Not not in the, in the grandest sense, but I have a, a few things that I've bought. Really good quality stuff. All of my friends who have bought it also love it. So from that perspective, does that influence you at all to think this might be a smart move? Hey, look. I'm not, I, I said, anything the Kardashians touch is pure gold. I'm not saying That's that true. it's bad That's stuff. True. You just, you know, you just asked me what my first thought was. And like I said, that yep. was my first thought because I don't necessarily equate 
the Kardashians with the NBA other than who they're dating. You know what? Uh, and But no. See, I'm more of an Athleta person. My wife works at Athleta because she gets a 50% oh. discount. Oh, and every time she goes to work, it costs me money. There you go. Good to know. I'm going to keep that in my back pocket, too, because, you know, a girl, I love me some Athleta as well. Um, but also, yes, mixing a little business with pleasure, Kardashians, the NBA, all of the things. Uh, Dan, Thank you for coming on for round two. Sorry we couldn't ha make it happen right off the top of the show. You know, you know live TV, though. You got to roll with the punches. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Charlie. Thanks. Fun times. Dan Dockich, a gem. He's great. Like I said, we go way back to our Indianapolis days, so it's fun to be joining forces once again here on the OutKick platform. Okay, let's talk about my Halloween. There wasn't really much of a Halloween for me. I took my dog to get groomed, but that's about it. And I did decide to pass on trick-or-treating last night because, you know, I wasn't really feeling festive. I didn't have a costume. But also because I don't make it a habit, you guys, to walk around New York when it's dark out by myself anymore. I moved to New York City at the beginning of 2017. In, in these past nearly seven years, I have witnessed what I would tell you is a complete downward spiral of worsening homelessness, also overall dirtiness plaguing the city. So I ended up leaving my last place. I was there about three years because there was a methadone clinic right next door. In post-COVID, this caused the outside of my building to become what I would consider a playground for all of the crackheads. Truly, it was a horrific scene to witness each and every time I went inside the building or left the building. So I have since moved to a neighborhood that I will tell you in comparison, I feel like I'm living at a five-star resort. Of course, that's not the case. I'm still in the same city, only you know a mile or so away. Still feels very different, but in all reality, still shows so many of the symptoms resulting from our liberal leadership. So the other day, I had to walk past a guy relieving himself on the street. This was legitimately steps from the entrance of my building. His pants were totally down. Uh, it was very unsettling for me as a woman. And for those of you who do not live here, it is disgustingly expensive. Like, it makes me sick to think about the money that I spend here when I could live somewhere else and get all of these things for so much less and have a much more peaceful environment to live it in. I'm talking, if you live here, you are paying an easy, and I'm not exaggerating, five to $7,000 per month for a one-bedroom apartment. And yet, as a woman, like I said, I can't even feel safe under many circumstances. Again, I will very rarely walk by myself once it's dark, which means even before work, I am unable to take my dog out to use the bathroom because I do not feel safe. Uh, I walk with my key between my fingers because, you know, there's always the threat looming of maybe someone lingering around the corner or something happening where I need to protect myself. Also, I do not use the subway in many instances. I won't use it early in the morning. I won't use it late at night. So the most convenient and inexpensive way to get around is a way that I can no longer commute. So this got me to thinking for all of the pains that I deal with as a taxpaying, law-abiding and productive member of society here in New York, there is a way to make life much easier and much less expensive if you want to live here. You can, you can come as an illegal immigrant. <laughs> Uh, this is really sad because I, it's, you know, I'm, I'm saying this in sarcasm, but it actually in all reality is very true. Uh, this way you do avoid paying all of the skyrocketing rent. Once you get here, you have access to Lux hotel rooms for free. Some of them even coming with room service, keep that in mind. And it is just crazy to me to think about that you have migrants coming here, illegal migrants who are living it up while we have our blue collar workers who can barely afford to be getting by. 
Uh, and guess what? You have the Biden administration to thank for that. More than three million immigrants just this year have come across the border. And meanwhile, our ultra-intelligent Democratic leaders, uh, Governor Kathy Hochul, shout out to her, also Mayor Eric Adams, shout out to him, they have been continuously insistent on making NYC a sanctuary city. So obviously Adams now beginning to realize the error of his ways, uh, but it might be a little too late because let's not be naive. Many of these migrants, they are not here innocently. They're not here in search of the American dream. They are criminals, and they are an extension of the cartels that they represent in Mexico. And let's not forget all of the terrorist members from our biggest enemies around the globe uh, that are flooding across the open border. Uh, the screening data set encounters for these terrorists up 75% this year. So speaking of crime, the drug problem around the city, out of control. So. You can definitely walk down the street and expect to encounter multiple zombie-like people. Obviously, when I say zombie-like, these are people that are strung out on fentanyl. They can, they can barely hold themselves upright. They're just hovering over their bodies. It's, it's actually really upsetting to witness. Uh, but it does make sense because almost 1.2 million doses of fentanyl have been seized at the border this year. That means even more than that has likely slipped through the cracks in infiltrated markets around the country. Here's the problem. You're encountering all of these threats on a daily basis, on an hourly basis, but you can't really worry about what's gonna happen. Because if you do, who are you gonna call? Can't call the cops, what are they gonna do? They barely have any power anymore. They're not able to do their jobs. They're not making the same amount of money as they used to because their budgets have been cut to take care of the migrant crisis. They no longer get paid overtime hours because of, again, the migrant crisis. Uh, so it's just really sad what's going on here. And speaking of the subway, just this month, a woman was pushed onto the subway in Midtown, which is right where I am right now in the Fox building. She's okay, but six people have already died this year due to subway violence. So here's my thing. There's only one way to make the city safe again. That is to push the Democrats out of the White House. Seems easy to me, but maybe easier said than done. We need all of your help to do this. Uh, because Republican leadership, as we know, it's going to allow New York City and the rest of the country to cut down on crime. Cops will be able to once again do their jobs like they were trained for. Also, they will properly be compensated, which to me is important. I wouldn't be sitting in this seat right now if I didn't feel I was properly compensated. I'm sure you wouldn't be, many of you, at your jobs if you didn't feel you were properly compensated and you were being taken advantage of. We need a Republican president in office so that he builds a wall and our cities aren't overrun with illegal immigrants. Fortunately, New York City, which historically leans blue and its voter base filled with nonsensical feminists, uh, they're not doing anything about it. And that really upsets me because it's the feminists that I would say need to use their voting power for the good. They're the ones who, more than anyone else, are not safe in this city. And I'm telling you that because as a woman, I do not feel safe in this city. So I implore each and every one of them, they need to use their voting power, they need to get to the polls, and they need to show up strong. Because that is the only way we are going to make America and New York City safe again. Okay guys, that's gonna do it. We had our little bit of ups and downs this show, didn't we? But you know what? At least we're on this roller coaster ride together. I always appreciate each and every one of you. Make sure you hit that subscribe button so tomorrow, you never know what to expect here on Outkick Morning. You will be in and you will not miss a moment. Also, make sure you're signed up for the alert so you are notified in advance of all of the shows. Like, comment, follow me on social media at Charlie on TV. And with that, everybody, go forth. Have a wonderful Wednesday and I will see each and every one of you tomorrow.